welcome to another episode of Xenochat. I am one of the hosts, Tyler, along with the other host, Justin. What's up, Xenofam, and welcome back to another episode. Alright, and we have two returning guests with us today. First up, we have Robin. Hey! And we have Kat. Hello! Alright, today is a very special episode that I've been wanting us to do for quite a while now, and probably heard us talk about it off and on, and that is queer theory within the Zeno franchise. Now, before we sort get into... like a oh? baby's overview. Yeah, baby's overview. Yeah, just to <laughs> clarify, we are not professionals. Um, the idea was actually um, given... Or, um, I think it was Christy, who was on the Shion episode, mm-hmm. actually came up with the idea originally. Unfortunately, she wasn't able to be here with us today, but um, it's something I've really wanted us pers- to pursue, and especially since this is June, Pride Month the time of those this recording it's something that i think it was about time that we we uh tackled this will um, probably go up during wrath month this is true yes i'll try my best to get it done by, by then um but before we get into that let's get into our usual business with uh mala soft and Zeno news um so um i'm Guessing a bunch of you have probably picked up Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition because it is available now. Everybody here Yay. pick it up or Hell yeah. Nope. Yeah. Oh Yeah, you didn't pick it up. You haven't been streaming it, I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I got it and it's really good. Um I was kind of worried about playing it, not gonna lie, because like it's an old game, right? And I played this game. What is it, like, eight years ago was when I first played it. So mm-hmm. I was wondering if, like, it would hold up well, especially after playing Zenobly Cross and Zenobly 2 and Torna. Mm-hmm. But I'm happy to say it plays better than it ever could have. Like, I- I'm shocked at how well this game has held up. And the Definitive Edition really puts a nice coat of paint on it and really makes it that much better of a game. Yeah, the the t- yeah. the title is no lie. It is definitely the definitive edition to play of Xenoblade Chronicles. Yeah, and Future Connected is also really cool as well. Um, definitely check that out when you're done playing the main game because it's really I really enjoyed it. I know some people I, I liked it. have opinions about it, but personally, I liked it. I think if you come at it hoping that it's gonna like have a bunch of revelations, then yeah, you're gonna be disappointed. But if you're just coming at it thinking, oh boy, more Xeno with maybe like a little teaser of what they might do in the future, then it's great. It's more Xeno. What the fuck's the problem? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I still haven't gotten to that, but once I get done with the main game, I'll Yeah, you're one of those it. people. Yeah, <laughs> I just, wanted to I've play it again. so much that I, I just don't I just like... ran headfirst and tried to remember how to <laughs> play Melia, and uh, eventually <laughs> I did. Um, I All believe right. there's other news. But yeah, there's some more news other than just Definitive Edition being out. So uh, Nintendo yeah. has been pushing Xenoblade like crazy. We've mentioned before that they have merch now. Well, guess what? They're going to have a Xenoblade-themed event in Tetris 99 next month. Um, they tweeted that like Tetris 99's 14th Maximus Cup is going to be featuring Xenoblade Chronicles. So... If you earn 100 event points uh, from July 3rd to July 6th, you can unlock a Xenoblade Chronicles theme, and it has all sorts of music from the game in there, too. So that looks really cool, and I'm surprised that they're even including it in Tetris 99. 
It's kind of crazy that to think awesome. that like that, Xenoblade has awesome. become what it is. Yeah. And if that That's wasn't good. enough, then there's also a freaking Melia statue coming. Oh, Good Smile is hooking yes. us up with one of those. Like, yes. that's nuts. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not a big statue person, but I, I'm going to hop on that train. I mean, Same. I, yeah, especially how the Cosmos statue is looking from Good Smile. I am so excited to see how this one will look. And we're still waiting on our Cosmos, by the way. Yeah, hopefully she'll damn be coming you out COVID. in July. Uh, yeah, damn you, COVID. <laughs> Uh, according to AmiAmi, if you ship DHL, it, like their stuff still arriving, I I don't know. I haven't looked into it too much, so can't say. But I do know DHL is still shipping from uh, Japan to the U.S. Oh, good. So hopefully we'll be getting Cosmos in July. But then, yeah, I, I definitely mean, I want... assume they cost more, so a lot of people might not really want to pay for that difference. Oh, fair. That well, is all I know. Well, it'll be interesting to find out what how the Melia will look. I I'm assuming she'll probably be around the same price as Cosmos and Pyra and Mithra were, but we shall see. Goodbye, money. <laughs> Who needs money anyway? They can have my money. Yeah. Thus is the life of a Zeno. And I'm uh, still, you know, crossing fingers for that Shulk Nendoroid. <laughs> that would be cute. That would be so cute. Well Alright. Alright. Uh I'm guessing that is there any other anybody want to mention anything, but or is that about it? I think that's it for news. Yeah. Okay, that's the interesting stuff for now. So I guess we can move on to the main topic. All right, mm-hmm. queer theory. Um, well, before we baby's get into introduction it, to yes, <laughs> baby's introduction to queer theory. Um, so before we go into this again, we are not professionals. Um, um. And we do not, you know, speak for like the LGBTQ plus community, um, but um, some of us here are uh, individuals that are part of this community yes. and have limited lived experiences. Mm-hmm. Uh, we like with this, we hope to just put the the barest barest scratch of education into the topic. Uh, this is a complex topic that not everybody has uh, all the same opinions on, mm-hmm. and I think it's just the nature of queer theory, the experience, uh, and the experience of people in the LGBT community uh, is going to be different from person to person. Mm-hmm. Uh, so LGBTQ community. If anything, oh. um, it would be amazing if like let's say you were to listen to this topic and you were to do your own research on this as well that would be really cool because i think that this is a big topic that a lot of us can benefit from reading up on or doing any kind of little research even if it's just watching one little video here or there just so that you're aware of it and that you really use that to use that as a new way to look at your media mm-hmm yeah, think of this as like a tasting menu of uh of like queer theory topics and this is just like our personal wine reviews of how we were affected. I my metaphor got like way lost halfway through me saying it and I'm just gonna live with that. I'm, we're not yep, restarting it, it, this. It's out there. This is there. Yeah, it's okay. You just gotta live with that. I just gotta live with that. All right. Does anybody want to start by uh, defining queer theory for us? 
Okay, so queer theory <laughs> is, um... I, I guess I'll put my fucking philosophy degree to some use here, even though queer theory was no part of it. Um, so it, it's this idea of, like, trying to not see the world in terms of binaries, like, because, okay. uh, I, especially in this Western society, I obviously can't speak to any society I didn't grow up in. Uh, there's a very tendency to see things in black and white, and very rigid columns and of course life doesn't always adhere to that so it's about seeing just beyond the rigid columns that society places and kind of eking out your own space and like going okay i don't have to see myself as man or woman i don't have to see myself as gay or straight there are other topics in here and it's also about like the the uh other groups to which you belong it's about not like uh putting yourself in one particular box and just staying there it's like okay yes i like i i'm bi but i'm also jewish maybe i shouldn't just see things from my bi box i should sometimes see things in my jewish box i should sometimes just see things in my i'm a human person who has ideals box exactly it's it's also about having an open mind to people or things that disrupt the status quo. Um, our society tends to place a lot of expectations on a lot of us. And uh, we grow up believing those expectations and following those expectations. And people who don't often get ostracized for it. So this is really about saying that, hey, maybe those people that are quote unquote different, they're not so bad. They're just like, everybody else we shouldn't have to limit limit our scopes to these specific things just because that is what society insists on drilling into us and of course if you are like hey i've had you know this deep self-reflection and you know what i was i was put in the boy box and i'm happy in the boy box that's cool it's just about like not forcing yourself to do something it's about looking at everything, looking at the options, and then figuring out what is good for you and figuring out, like, this isn't, there isn't one way to see things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I think uh, the big the big thing is to go be going against the status quo. Mm -hmm. And currently, the, the status quo is the, the thought that uh, the men need to be in charge, the females need to be second to them, uh, everybody is either male or female. Uh, everybody needs to stay in their place. Uh, and it's like currently there's a, a lot of status. A lot of people have come to rely on the status quo because it doesn't require them to think a lot for themselves. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. Thinking for yourself uh, is dangerous. Like, and like Disney movies have like pinged on it a little bit in an attempt to, you know, sort of be educational, but uh, it's, it's not really enough. Like, uh, like education, uh, like funding for education and what kids are learning these days is very different from what, what I learned in the 1990s. Uh, so uh, people are challenging the status quo uh, less in, uh, in the, the current education strata uh, but more on the internet, so it's a uh, it's it's a very big, broad topic, 
uh, it's a very big sort of like monolithic thing that uh, people who don't fit it uh, now fight it. Or some people like some people who uh, are within the LGBT plus community. Uh, some some people can't fight. Some people are trapped uh, in situations where they cannot be, uh, like, their safety uh, would not be guaranteed if they were completely out about who uh, who and what they made them up. Uh, and uh, I think one of the one of the big important things that uh, queer theory and philosophy and and stuff uh, is making the world safer for people who are outside of the status quo. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And uh, as we've mentioned, you know, queer theory does cover more than just uh, gender and sexual orientation. But for the purposes of this podcast, this specific episode, we're just going to be focusing on those and maybe like touching a little bit on some others. But yeah, we will mention some of the other aspects of it briefly. But uh, most of the topics we're going to bring up here are related to gender or sexual orientation. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's so, okay. doing a half-assed transition into our next bullet <laughs> point. What is queer coding? That wasn't even a transition. That was just stating the next bullet point. That was you reading what was on our paper. <laughs> that was me just reading it. I thought of what in my head, and then I said, no, just say words. Just barrel through it like I did in college. <laughs> you valid. But uh, queer coding uh, in media is uh, characters that are set up to be read as uh, outside the status quo. Uh, And I did a little bit of Wikipediaing before here, uh, but I forgot to write it down here. Uh, Early in film, uh, when uh, a Western person wanted to uh, code somebody as queer, most of it was uh, in the use of uh, most of this coding was applied to villains and people and characters um, that were like sidekicks or people uh, people intended to be uh, not taken seriously. But uh, I think uh, with the Xenometa series, uh, at least with uh, starting with Xenogears, uh, I noticed very early on that characters who were queer coded were not bad guys. Uh, so. I think modern media has, like, obviously much more. Uh, it's evolved much, much more since the advent of uh, mass communication. Uh, so we went through a period where the heroes were only, like, status quo people, but now we're experiencing a lot of more inclusion. And uh, I think despite uh, Xenogears coming out in the 90s, uh, Xenogears misses a lot of the uh, the big bullet points of a lot of queer theory stuff, uh, but it it improves in certain areas. Yeah, and that can be said about, you know, the rest of the Zeno meta series. Um, there's a lot of characters that really kind of go against the status quo in quite a few ways. And we're going to be talking about some of that today mm-hmm. as well, and some of the themes that come with that as well. And obviously, like, you know, Kat was talking about how <clears throat> how these kind of characters were portrayed before. Um, one of the things that queer theory tends to examine is how how much heteronormativity is 
in our how how prevalent that is in our media, uh, whether it be just like a TV show or like a commercial or a book, even um, oftentimes people were brought up to think that well, you know, the hero is just going to be a boy. He meets a girl, they fall in love, the end. But in Zeno, at least, there are more characters that kind of break away from that in some ways. And that's what makes it kind of interesting because it's different. It's refreshing. It shows another perspective to the media that we all love and like. Yeah. I mean, granted, there are some instances of heteronormativity in the Zeno games, but it's also with conjunction with breaking the status quo as well. So it's kind of more diverse. Yeah, it's uh like the the series is uh not a hundred percent all the way through. Uh, it explores different stuff at different times. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's like we we get it's I don't want to say it's like rain, but sometimes it's, it's sometimes it's gay and sometimes it's not. <laughs> so, yes. but I also think that uh, a lot like through most of the Zeno titles, we are fighting against uh, a villain that is enforcing a negative status quo, whether it's Solaris or uh, Ormus or uh, Malthus. (laughs) And there are a lot of themes of like kind of figuring out who you are in the universe and who you want to be and accepting that. And Mm -hmm. like, yeah, there's like to a lesser extent, you know, and of course your true friends will accept you too, but it's mostly about like a a journey of self-discovery and, potentially rejecting what society has put on you and also the themes of fear and ostracization like the fear that everybody is just going to not accept you when they find out Mm -hmm. who you really are that's a very prevalent theme throughout many of these zeno games and these are things where we'll kind of go more into them as we go through the series but this Mm -hmm. is just our overview all right, so with okay, that, I guess, like, so. how do we want to do this? Do we want to, like, go game by game and talk about specific characters and events? Uh, Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah all right, yeah. so I guess we can start with Xenogears. Any characters yeah, that you... let's go chronologically. <laughs> we... Yeah, okay. So, I know it's been suggested that Sigurd is, uh, can be read as by. I mean, I don't think I know a single person who doesn't read him as at least by. <laughs> Touche. Let's see. Um, my my counter yeah. to that is: Has he ever expressed interest in women? That's also a good point, and I'm not sure if we have a word of God on on this, but Sigurd is definitely one of the people who is uh, queer coded and on the good guy side. Uh, and he stood out to me as a sixteen year old kid with absolutely like no no scholarly anything. He was like, Oh I've seen characters like this in other media, but they're not good guys. That's cool. Yeah, and when you first see Sigurd, he kinda has like a bit of a villainous look if you consider like stereotypical anime of that era. Yeah. Yeah, he's got an eye patch. He's not Lily White. Clearly evil. <laughs> but yeah, but he he turns out to be one of the the best and like kuderiest characters in the series. Uh, and like, uh, I I feel bad like putting the emphasis on oh hey 
there's a queer-coded good guy, but there's also a very queer-coded bad guy. And uh, when Ramses bursts onto the scene and his upsetness over uh, Sigurd's defection from Solaris, it's like watching a breakup movie. <laughs> and I could not think that down, uh, despite all the other like straight interactions Ramses has. Uh, Ramses has like a lot of the you should not exist, uh, something is wrong with you, you're not good enough, uh, that is used by Krellian to control him. And I think a lot of a lot of people who are growing up right now who aren't supported are going through the same the same or similar things to that. And because I was going through something similar myself, uh, I saw that and was like, whoa, <laughs> a video game did this. Holy shit. <laughs> Actually, on the topic of, of Ramses and, you know, striking down heteronormativity, uh, when you first see Ramses with Miang, like, it's very much like, oh, and that's just his arm candy woman, whatever. And then as you go through the story, you're like, oh, Ramses is the arm candy. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And it, it kind of, like, uh, the narrative is very, like, this guy is in a cage. <laughs> and yeah. it's uh, very anti-Ramses Miang. The, the, the narrative is very negative for him uh, as an antagonist. And it's it's an interesting compliment to uh, Faye and Ellie. Uh, this is this is the heteronormative uh, relationship that does not work out. But also, there, there's a lot of problems with Faye and Ellie as well. Yeah. Um, so. But this is um, a day. Why that's bad episode. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, I, I think uh, when uh, people look for certain different people look for different things in media, uh, and they they value different things. And it's uh, it's more and more important as we go forward that media has more stuff uh, that's uh, LGBT positive. Um, but when you look at stuff in the 90s, uh, it's just like uh, this bulwark of boy and girl hold hands mm -hmm. <laughs> do mm -hmm. things. And Xenogears kind of like... When, when you when you pick Xenogears by itself uh, out of out of the patch, uh, and you just look at Xenogears and what it does well and what it doesn't do well, it's kind of uh, there's a lot of stuff that it doesn't do well. Uh, but when you compare it in its era, it's a lot more standout. Yeah, you could say uh, that you know more of an attempt was made to have diverse characters yeah. in, in comparison to its peers. And actually a thing with Sigurd that we're, I know we have a note on later, but Sigurd is another uh, example of a dark-skinned character who's, you know, soft and not angry. He is not an angry black man. <laughs> Which, not quite on the queer theory line, but... Race is, like... Race is part of it. Part of it. It is definitely yes. part of the so, part of that, yes. for sure. Yeah. The, the whole thing is. And again, is I know we have like another inclusive. note about that later. Yes. So. <laughs> it's just like, let, now this other note won't stand out so much. Uh, but another easy transition to make from Ramses is, of course, Dominia. Yes. So, um, when I, I was a wee tot playing the game, I. Based on how I knew anime girls looked, I thought Dominia was clearly an anime boy because she didn't. Her eyes weren't as big, so that means 
that means anime boy. That's that's just what it means, <laughs> um, as we all know. <laughs> and I, again, as a wee tot, was just like, oh, and Dominia and Kelvina are a pair. Cool. Eventually, I figured out Dominia was a girl, and I was like, okay, and Dominia and Kelvina are a pair. Cool. Um, yes. However, of course, it's impossible to ignore that canonically she's supposed to be interested in Ramses, even if when I was a wee tot, I didn't get that. <laughs> yeah, I think um, Dominia was one of the first female characters I had like gay feelings about, uh, so mm-hmm. she's very near and dear to my heart. Uh, she also, uh, like, she doesn't start out uh, knowing all the things. She's very, like, within... Uh, under Solarian control. And uh, mm-hmm. I was surprised when they did more with her than just have her be Ramses' crony. Like, she is one of the ones who says, hey, why are you even fighting now that we know your, your weird backstory? That's a reason not to fight. And um, I, I get the, uh, the very sunken trope of person is saved by other person and falls in love with that person uh and uh that's kind of that kind of thing is kind of coming under fire under uh modern fandom mm-hmm. um so i'm not gonna uh touch on it too much but um Dominia is very uh female but also masculine coded uh it's also very easy to, to to read her as a lesbian uh i like I, <laughs> I, I never thought I was like a hundred percent lesbian. But if I were, Dominia would have like been the the hard start of it. <laughs> if Dominia was real, we would all be lesbians. <laughs> yes. Also, there's that thing where I'm not a hundred percent female either. And yet, everyone lesbian for Dominia. <laughs> yes. Um. Uh, but yes, Dominia also has like. Uh, like she's trying to very strictly adhere to a society that doesn't like her because she is a demi-human and she's in Solaris where they're like that's cool you're just you're livestock we don't like you but she's still pro them and trying to be like no that's that's cool it's fine and I'm sure that's a feeling that people who are who are closeted and in very toxic situations can be like yeah I yeah I get that yeah, I get kind of hiding yeah. under, you know, because it's like, what are, what are my options here? Do- death? Death is a <laughs> shitty option. Yes, death is a very shitty option. And sometimes the silence is the only current solution. And it's like, the, the whole point of elevating more queer media is that more people feel safe enough to come out. Mm-hmm. And then as another jumping off point, with demi-humans, we of course also have Rico, who, Nick, his father rejected him. His fa- father's like, nope, you're a gross little green boy, you can leave now. And he, you know, therefore grew up in the streets. And I, his TV Tropes page lists him as ambiguously gay, which I, I'm, I find cool by me. I think, I don't know that I read that narrative, or I don't know that I would, ex- mm-hmm. I I wouldn't say that's canon. That's totally cool. It's obviously fine as fanon. I don't think that was the intent in canon. But it works perfectly. It's fine. He does hang out with a bunch of half-dressed dudes and one fully clothed woman. Like, it. it yeah, go for it. 
And he again, he does have that narrative of being rejected and mm-hmm. thrown out and kind of making his own path. Uh, there is that uh, Japanese stereotype that I'm not, or trope that I'm not super familiar with, where you have a very masculine guy who is meant to more appeal to other men. And it's based on the idea that more feminine guys will appear to appeal to women. So if you're not doing that, but like it, it it's kinda how a lot of like J pop idols work out where the yeah. the yeah, they are, they have that more feminine sensitive appearance because that's mostly what women like. And then so if you're like being hyper masculine then uh haha, that's kinda gay because you're clearly not trying to get girls into you. So Rico does have that going for him as well. And he's also one of the good guys, so... Yay. <laughs> Man, I wish Rico got more in the story. Oh god, he so deserved it. Oh god, yeah. Rico Appreciation Podcast. <laughs> Yo, like, he's real. essentially Bart, but for Kislev. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, hey, speaking of Bart, <laughs> Bart's on this list, too! <laughs> uh, so this is more... Like, a lot of the basis for Bart being on the list is, like, uh, hearsay, where I had read at some point that originally Bart was meant to be a, a female character and was going to be another potential Fey love interest, so there would have been some conflict with, oh, will Fey go oh with Bart, who's more like him, but <laughs> not Ellie, or Ellie, who's more sensitive, and, uh, and everyone falls asleep. Um, fortunately, they didn't do that, but that still does leave... Bart with like a little bit of gay coding and potentially trans coding because I personally if I, I hear a character was designed as gender A and then they switched it to gender B I'm like cool they're trans thanks uh, anyone else have uh, gears points or shall we move on to saga points I think we can get going yeah. to saga points I think yes. that's like one of the bigger ones Oh, yeah. Yeah, Saga has, like, the most obvious one. The most <laughs> obvious one. Xion and Cosmos. Yeah, just look at any promo material. Done. Next. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so Next point. Next point. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I mean, I mean, sometimes you could... I don't know if people could debate whether it's, like, fetishized, but I don't... I don't... You know, uh, when, I, when I was college-aged, mm-hmm. I had an axe to grind... Uh, with like lesbian content that was created for uh, consumption by men, mm-hmm. and Xenosaga didn't hit any of those points for me. Maybe uh, because I was predisposed to like the Xeno series, mm-hmm. uh, but like if you look at the posters, okay, maybe. If you were to go into some guy's dorm and just like he had a Xenosaga poster and you just look <laughs> at the guy, um, sure, whatever. Uh, you can judge how, however you want, but if you play the game and you uh, see the narrative, uh, it's it's very not like that. <laughs> I, they they definitely used that uh, Yuri flavor to market it uh, to that audience a little bit, but I think the soul of the story is a lot less heteronormative mm-hmm. than the others. Yeah, there, there's a lot of, like, Xion sacrificing for Cosmos. Cosmos definitely sacrifices mm-hmm. for Xion. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to not read it as a sort of love story. Like, I, I feel that you're putting more effort to not view them romantically. But, yeah. of course, if that's 
what you're going to do, that's what you're going to do. I cannot stop you. And, like, different people take different uh, meanings from different things and like different things. So if, if you don't like a pairing because you don't like a pairing, that doesn't make you any worse or better than anybody yeah, else. Yeah, exactly. Um, we have a note here. Uh, Cosmos is trans. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, because I, I think it was one of... Uh... Kat, I think that was one of your notes. Oh, oh yeah. Um, <laughs> so, I've... Like, I am not the only person who knows trans people. Uh, but I've been in the Zeno fandom for a while. Uh, people have come and gone. And there have been quite a few uh, trans women who look very uh, fondly to, to Cosmos. Uh, and I've pronounced her wrong. I'm sorry, Jin. No, no, you're, you're fine. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Just like me and Titan. I'm pretty sure we've okay. said Zeno like 10 yeah. different ways at this point. Yeah. Zeno <laughs> chat. Um, yeah. But, okay. Uh, anyway, uh, Cosmos as trans icon, uh, she, she is high femme. But uh, there's something unfeminine about her that doesn't like break the the whole like doesn't break the line. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think oh, if um, like I I have a lot of trans mask tendencies. Uh, so when I look at characters like Dunban, uh, I'm like, oh hey, I can very easily make the step and be like Dunban. And I think uh, trans women who are looking at Cosmos look at her and can make similar steps cognitively. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't speak for anybody else. And uh, I, I don't, we don't have <laughs> any of those people that I've mentioned on hand, but it, this is something that I've seen uh, in, in the fandom. And I think it, uh, I thought it was worth mentioning. Oh yeah, yeah that, I mean, absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I think, you know, Cosmos is like one of the strongest attackers, you know, in, in the gameplay. Um, she is tall. So like, those are things where you might, if you were had to put things into categories of masculine, feminine, you'd shove those into the masculine ones. Well, and he, um, Oh, sorry. Go on. Yeah, go ahead. No. Oh, I was just going to say, um, I mean, if you like look at Cosmos's, uh, uh, progression throughout the story um she she um at first has the two two different like modes or way she presents herself the way that vector or Xion wants her to or well not Xion, but vector wants her to be is a, a combat android and nothing more and then there are moments mm-hmm. where mary comes out and that's kind of something that wilhelm uh wants her to be and it's not until later in the uh, episode three that she kind of comes out as her own self by just being Cosmos, not exactly being Mary or her original self and going against Wilhelm's status quo. Um, yeah. I thought was... Yes. Hell yes. 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 I'm going to skip two points and then bring up Alan as a... On the other side, we have a, a trans-masculine icon, <laughs> where he his narrative deals with a lot of toxic masculinity, and like he's consistently, especially by Xion being told to man up, which, if you read him as being trans-mask, is really, doesn't speak well for Xion. So. <laughs> but we're not here to cut Xion down. 
Yeah, we had another episode where we spoke about Xion. That was no, way she... back. Oh, no, yeah. we, we, we basically like Xion, but it, 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 this is not a, a way to give her a charitable read. <laughs> um, but he does deal with, you know, he's constantly told, like, oh, you have to be tough. This is how, you, this is how you're a man. And that's a thing that, like, yeah, it could be part of transmasculine narrative. It could be part of, like, a, a lot of narratives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Within the sort of trans experience, yeah, there, and there's... ultimately he kind of comes to himself and is more confident. Not by like, okay, yeah, he does shoot a gun and that's super cool, <laughs> but it's because he's speaking out and empathizing and like kind of being aggressive about love that is really his crowning coolest moment. <laughs> Yeah, he lets out. Yeah, he's overcoming a lot of his inner insecurities um, by the by the third game because like Xion often berates him and says all these things about him, and you can tell it. It's like eating up, eating at him. He's always at odds with himself. He feels like he's not good enough, not good enough for Xion. He's not manly enough for Xion. And you know, by the end of the third game, he kind of he realized that, you know what, this is who I am and I can be strong in my own way. And I think yeah. that's actually something really cool about Alan. Yeah, and yeah. he, like, it's it's very uh, from the heart of Alan. Alan doesn't make uh, too many different changes about himself. He's not, he doesn't make a virgin to Chad transformation. Mm-hmm. He, mm-hmm. like, he, he gets fed up and he yells his true feelings, the ones that he's had from the start. Uh, and that frees him uh, a little bit. <laughs> so and there's also the Xenosaga anime where he goes drinking with Assistant Scott. Yes. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> there's his much better relationship who doesn't berate him for being like not sufficiently manly. <laughs> but we we are of course Gallon stands. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> He's a good boy. I don't know if we're talking about Scott or Alan, but oh. the answer is yes. Yes, to both of them. Yes. They're both good boys. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, should um, we take... And then... Uh, oh, go on. Hmm? Oh, sorry. I, I was I was going to skip over to Chaos now. Oh, I was gonna, going Just to, too. We're Chaos Okay. <laughs> okay, great. So we agree. Let's skip over to Chaos. Yes, let's. Uh, so Chaos... Um... Can easily read as non-binary. I, to, uh, any character can read as non-binary. That's true. Yeah, uh, I think like with uh, with my non-binary read on a character that I read as non-binary, uh, I think mm-hmm. Chaos's gentleness is very um, it's very apt. I know he's just like a part of Jesus. But uh, Chaos uh, is a gentle guy, and that's that's outside the status quo as well. Mm-hmm. And that not, doesn't necessarily mean, oh, he's not a uh, like status quo thing that makes him uh, that makes him outside, that makes him not not him or whatever. Uh, but it just like <sighs> I think of. Like, I am going through this and uh, arguing with myself, why did you say that? That's a terrible thing to say. (laughs) Um, But, like, I think uh, in a non-fetishizing way, 
looking at a character uh, and seeing parts of yourself there and how you could take this part of this into your experience uh, with with characters that are easier to do that has been important to me. Uh, and a lot, a lot of my favorite characters, I just have easy reads to things that I'm naturally like. Uh, and if, if other people don't read the same thing from that, and that, that's, that's really fine. Um, uh, but it's also been an important part of, uh, my development as, as a person. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, uh, like, I apologize for stumbling and I apologize if it's, I've said anything off key. We've had like seven disclaimers of we're not experts and this is yeah. our personal opinion. <laughs> You're fine. And experience. And yours might be different, audience. Yeah. It's like chaos is is one of the non-binary icons that I've had like in in the back of my head as I've started to become more and more out with being non-binary myself. And I've run out of words, so uh, that's okay. Else can take All right, so uh, <laughs> All right. again, while we're sticking with with the trans narrative, uh, the URTVs as as part of the has having a similar trans experience where you have Uriev going, hey my 700 fucking kids (laughs) this is the life you're going to live and i don't want to hear it like that's it you get this and we're done here and here are your names and their numbers except for my four special babies who get alchemy names (laughs) and then when uh when rubido and negredo leave they they uh, get rid of those names. Those aren't them anymore. They're they're Junior and Gainan Kukai. And that sort of rejection of where you came from and leaving a harmful environment obviously very much speaks to a trans experience of yes. renaming and reclaiming your identity. Also found And then family. of course you have Yes. And then of course you have Citrine who keeps the name, stays with him. And, I mean, there are other things we could say about Citrine, like, there's a whole fun abuse narrative there. But, and as for Albedo keeping his name, I always thought that was more of a spite thing. Hmm. Of, like, just remember who you are, Rubido. Also, as as a short, non-cis person, seeing other, seeing a short, masculine person... In a video game, who yes. is badass, who is as badass as Junior, is hella heartening. I do wish he was just short and not a child. Well, he's twenty-seven. I mean, he's twenty. He's twenty-seven, uh, but like he looks very much like a child. He doesn't look like yes, a short adult. That's true. Is what I'm saying. Hmm. Which definitely they have a whole explanation for, but well, there's a whole explanation for short trans guys as well. Yes. Uh, it's way different from Xenosaga science, but yes. Yeah. It's definitely not. Your genes just don't work that well. And uh, let's also remind everyone that Albedo should have a long flowing beard that he can never get rid of. Albedo. Albedo. What? Because okay. <laughs> <laughs> his, his cells grow too fast, so he should have a beard that he just can't get rid of. Oh, he should okay. have permanent five o'clock shadow. He okay. should shave twelve times a day. Now I've got the image of Albedo shaving in my head. <laughs> well, some just of us roomed mirror, with Nick, and we shaving, got to see that and laughing, just grinning at himself. 
I mean, if he destroys his head, fully oh, if bearded, you had roomed with Nick really Fakatsu, still... you would have gotten to see Albedo shaving. <laughs> he just blows his head up. That's how he shaves. <laughs> I was gonna say, would he still have the beard, or would it be gone? Well, if he keeps regenerating his cells, it keeps growing. It's back. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's leave the okay. beard for another discussion. <laughs> <laughs> our, our 30 minutes of Albedo's beard. <laughs> yep, that's going to be an episode. All right, Tony? Who wants to talk Tony. about Tony? Oh, yeah, Tony, the confirmed by character. Yeah, which is kind of funny considering that, like, when you see Tony, he's like, he's introduced as, like, the typical dude bro character. Like, he's always hitting on Shion, and he's always, like, snarky. Like, you see him, you're like, yeah, this guy's, he's a bro. He's about to go, like, chug some. Chuck a six pack and look at like uh, I don't know like Playboy magazine or some like car magazines, but then you find out that uh, hey he might have actually had a boyfriend at one point. Yeah, because there's a part in this episode too where you can speak to an NPC that's apparently his ex girlfriend or something like that, and she implies that he's had some uh relationships with men i think i feel like she might have implied like hammer and matthews but maybe i'm misremembering really i want to say him and hammer huh yeah him and hammer makes perfect sense they do they do together that's not like i'm more shocked by matthews (laughs) tony lowered his standards for matthews (laughs) (laughs) it's the boots Oh yeah, okay. It's the hat. <laughs> the hat and the, the boots. Hat, yes. <laughs> yeah. Chaos was on that ship too. Uh. <laughs> he was. T- Tony does the Elsa. Does. Um. <clears throat> <laughs> All right. Do we want to save King for a separate section, or do we want to talk about? Well, him let's. Do- this is our special round of bad. Bad gay representation in the Zeno series. Round one. Yeah. And that the first oh prize goes to King from Zeno Saga episode one and two. He is I don't think he gets first prize, but he does get first mention. Yes. Yeah, I was gonna he say there's definitely mention. someone who's way worse than um, King. He is an NPC. <laughs> but yeah, King is uh an NPC in Zeno Saga episode one and two. He is a leader of a gang on the Kukai Foundation. Um episode one, he he, he wasn't i didn't think he was too bad um but uh he came off more as like oh he's a tough guy but he also likes cats ha 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 uh but in episode two um he felt more like a gay caricature more like in episode two but yeah he just didn't yeah like that stereotype we were talking about with uh rick with rick rico not ricky yeah and yeah he's just wasn't very good representation overall no so but fortunately he is an npc so he's pretty easy to ignore exactly all right anyone else for xenosaga well we're talking about bad rap or are we just gonna get to the other ones well it sounds like we're just gonna go chronologically oh okay that's fine yeah we'll just go yeah chronologically and Fortunately, I think our 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 winner is the like the last one we're gonna bring up. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. If you have any guesses as to who the winner is, post in the comments. Like, comment, subscribe. <laughs> and if you post after we've already said it, we will know. <laughs> no, anyway, 
Well, if anything, if you post who you think the winner is after we say it and it's correct, that will let us know that you listened all the way through. Yeah. Or you're good at guessing. We'll never know. We'll never know. Right. Okay. Moving on to Xenoblade. All right, so let's move. Heck yeah. All right. So, so Alvis we is also in that same category of, of chaos with like being yeah. not a traditionally masculine guy. Also, I thought of something. Uh, Excellent, his good connection to uh, the wave existence, which is beyond any kind of gender at all. Exactly. Hmm. And. Uh, uh, Justin, you were bringing up something about how, like, in a lot of Japanese media with um, non-binary characters, they're always mysterious. Yeah, they tend to be on the more mysterious side or, like, trying to... They often withhold information from the party. However, I think, as we mentioned, Chaos is a little bit better about this, a little bit more friendly. But still, there's definitely moments where Chaos knows more than he's letting on and... That that's definitely something I notice with those kind of characters. Same with Alvis as well. So I guess it's like one of those things where it's just like I guess they're trying to keep you guessing what's going on with them. But that's just a that's just something I noticed, like a little pattern in quite a few of these games. Mm-hmm. And Alvis does have more feminine mannerisms and body language than Chaos. Yeah. So he is very easy to read as non-binary. But again, any character can easily be read that way. Yep. Um, Even uh, trans icon Dunban. <laughs> Go ahead, elaborate on trans icon yeah. Dunban, because I can only elaborate uh, okay. on gay icon Dunban. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> Dunban looks like how I would look if I were a guy. Uh, he has the same hair type. Uh, uh, he. You do uh, have Dunban's hair. <laughs> I'm thinking about it now. It's a fucking power. <laughs> so when I first saw him, I was like, holy shit, this guy looks like me. Uh, he doesn't make all the right moves, um, but he's he's a cool character that a lot of people like, and I could look like him. Like, when when I first sort of, like, first started with, you know, being, being out as non-binary, I thought, you know, I I will never pass for male. And it was sort of like lifelong kind of despair. But I can look like Gunban. And that is really powerful to me. Uh, and that has like stayed with me since I first played Xenoblade. And is very important to me. Uh, so that's that there for me. And that, that is m- my experience. Other people may have completely different reads. And they're valid. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Robin, what's your, so- your gay read? My gay read on Dunvan. So, I guess around the time that I had played Xenoblade, I watched a playthrough of Ib, or Eeb, mm. and I had read something about uh, how Gary from there was supposed to be gay-coded because he used a lot of, like, flowery language. When I tried to go find this again, what I instead found was that Gary is kind of non-binary quoted because coded. Uh, he uses a lot of feminine terms, he speaks in a more feminine way, but that is about Gary from Eeb. My point with that was that uh, Dunvan similarly has like a lot of flower motifs, so I thought, oh, he's supposed to be gay-coded. 
And another part of that is just how he is constantly like thinking in terms of who's Fiora going to end up with. Fiora has to exp- has to like make a family because I won't. And there's a heart to heart with Sharla where she starts to ask him about like what type of women do you like, and he's very evasive about it. So I took all of that to mean, oh, Dunban is gay. Dun- Dunban does not care for women, which. But he does care for Mumkar. <laughs> but he does care for Mumkar. He cares too much, and well, he absolutely doesn't. And won't cry when his sister dies. And he realizes it was Mumkar. No, there, there are. I mean, Mumkar and and Dixon are both important to Dunban, but I, I feel that like he doesn't have too many male relationships where I could easily go, oh, yeah, that's a guy he's super into. It's just his consistent evasiveness in terms of getting married. I read as, oh, he knows he's not going to get married. It could also be a, like, he doesn't think he'll live long enough thing, but he is 30. And for, like, video game guys, that's crazy old Dunban. Holy shit. That's the end of the line. Dunban already has one foot in the grave because he's thirty whole years old. And so that that was reasoning for my reading Dunban as gay, and I thought it was again. I thought this was intentional, so I thought it was really cool that they would have this very cool character and have him be gay. And then I realized, oh no, that wasn't the canon intent. Whoops. Yeah, and I think uh, the Sakura motif is, like, hella manly in Japan, because it's also shared by Nagi in Xenoblade X. They could just both be gay. (laughs) But yes, I I do agree. It was a poor application of concepts that are not mine. Um, And our other fine queer-coded character, or arguably queer-coded character, is Shulk. Who does have... So I've, I've seen readings of Shulk where based on, oh, by the way, this contains Xenoblade spoilers, based on how he's a shell for, for Zanza, he probably feels very unattached from his body. Like, the reason he doesn't react to food that much is just part of this whole disassociative feeling. And there's also readings of, like, he doesn't feel like tying into that he doesn't feel like his body is his own when he when he does see Zanza and does see Zanza's male form he like there's a sense of oh that's good yes I was right that is what I should look like that is me one could argue that Zanza's not the most masculine guy to see but that is not what we're arguing yeah I mean that that, that was that was a great uh, explanation because I've heard a lot of um theories on Shulk being trans from multiple people, actually. I think another part of it is just that a lot of people who enjoy the series and are uh, trans mask do relate to Shulk. He's a good boy, but he has difficulty communicating and keeps to himself and is afraid to speak up. Mm-hmm. And those are like that sort of feeling that you need to hide, that people are going to not a, like, that, that feeling of needing to hide is, of course, within the entire uh, Xeno universe, but is also a, a common feeling in the trans experience and the gay experience. 
I feel bad. I feel like I'm being a bad trans mask for not relating to any of the trans mask characters. It's it's really okay. I think Shulk is is another I can easily look like this guy kind of character uh, when starting out. If I had only let my hair grow out more during quarantine, (laughs) I could have looked like Ryan. Nice. Curse my haircuts. I I, I still beat myself up that I don't look like a friggin' wrestler, but (laughs) that's that's my problem. Let's let's go hit up the gym. Let's go get buff so we can look like Ryan. Go get copies of Ring Fit. Yes. (laughs) Okay, All right. so moving on to Cross. Yeah, to Cross. speaking of the trans experience, your main character. Yep, your main character. <laughs> Look however you want at any point. Which is something we're seeing in a lot of games uh, nowadays, I'm noticing. Especially like Nintendo games, they're letting you uh, pick your appearance. Sometimes you can pick whichever voice you want, like if you could pick a quote-unquote female appearance and give them a quote-unquote masculine voice. Those are all features that we are seeing in a lot of games nowadays, and I think that's actually pretty cool. I think Saints Row was probably one of the earlier ones to do it, but there it was meant to be like a joke of, oh, ha-ha, it's, it's funny, you're running around like like this dude, and then you got a lady yeah, voice, you so lady. you're running around a lady, and then you got the dude voice, and ah-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha. Ah, um... Though, of course, that does have the side effect of, oh, cool, I can make myself. I can make a doodly looking man and then give it lady voice, and there's me. I did it. Thank you, Saints Row. That was definitely your intention. I'm like, I always made, like, the most buff lady I possibly could ever. Rad. Speaking of buff ladies, uh, can we talk about Irina and her crush on Elma? We can absolutely talk about Irina and her crush on Elma, yes. Irina definitely has a crush on Elma. Uh, like, any anything that isn't actually in the game isn't actually canon, but uh, Irina is, has a huge amount of queer coding, at least that I could discern. Uh, she, she seems to have, like, a little bit of leftover Pelegri energy. And that is applied to Elma! So I was I was surprised by that. And of course, Gwyn has. I the... mean, everyone is attracted to Elma. Yeah, that's true. There is that Gwyn thing. Yeah, um, but it's like yeah. I would just say he has huge Alan energy. Yeah. Oh yeah, he, he does. definitely does. <laughs> yeah. Huge Alan yeah. energy. That that should be a new term. <laughs> um. I mean, should we? I mean, since everyone loves Elma, should we? segue into Elma. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Let's talk, Let's talk about, about Elma. Elma. Who everyone loves. All right. yeah. I mean, the big twist in that game is that she's not a human, um, and throughout the game she had that fear of rejection uh, from uh, the other uh, Blade members. Yeah, characters, Blade members, thank you. Um, which mm-hmm. a lot of people have when it comes to coming out and being who you are. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then of course, at you know, everyone's like, well, we've known you all of this time. We know who you are. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. what you look like. We know who you are. We know. And we love you. And everyone loves Elma. Mm-hmm. I also think just on like, you know, a side note, just like Elma in general just feels like a character that breaks the status quo. 
She does, being another like thirty year old video game character yeah. and therefore half dead. She's she's like an she's like an older female character that like takes charge. She's really strong, is there for everybody. Like Elma's a really good character and I don't see a lot of Elma likes out there. She really stands out to me. Another thing yeah. is that in the narrative, they never criticized her for being a woman. Like, yeah, you're right, Shion, actually. Yeah. Like, Shion, you know, was in charge of the whole R&D division, but, like, you still have Vander, uh, Vandercom calling her a Girl Scout. You didn't have that with Elma. Elma was just like, this is the colonel. You treat her like the colonel. Yeah. We, we don't have to, like, do any weird sexist comments here. And that was really refreshing. Elma is another character, uh, sort of. I, I uh, like when I when I looked at Elma and when I, uh, I looked back at Dominia, I got a little bit of uh, Dominia, not really energy, but it's the same like, oh, I love this kind of woman <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, energy off of Elma, and Elma is much better behaved than Dominia uh, the entire time. Uh, but like uh, Elma's nobility. Uh, is uncommon in uh, in a lot of female characters and things, and I think it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess before we hop into our, our fine bad rep, I'll first bring up my read on Hope. Uh, I, I always read Hope as a trans woman, and part of that was just because I felt like her name was too on the nose to not have been chosen by herself, or possibly her father. Um... But her narrative also had, like, a lot of fear, like, fear of rejection, fear of people not liking who you really are. And then, like, on a more minor note, she got very uncomfortable when people talked about reproduction. (laughs) And so I always just read her as being a trans woman. Hmm. And honestly, I I feel that that's a thing that Cross... I'm glad they didn't do it and just sort of planted the seeds for it to be done, but they didn't like get into too much the nitty gritty that there might be people who probably don't want to leave their mimeosomes that are probably happier, whose body now matches how they've always seen themselves. Mm-hmm. And like, well, that is a very interesting topic that I do like to discuss I'm kind of happy the game didn't, because while the game has several steps forward, I wouldn't want that to be their step back. Mm. Yeah, that, that's a very careful line. Yeah, it's an interesting thing to think about, but I don't know if I would yet trust the writers with something that delicate. And I trust them with a lot. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting... Being a member of the LGBT uh, community uh, during this time where Japan is like a decade behind us in terms of social stuff. Uh, So we uh, are being, as a a community as a whole, much more um, uh, critical of works being put out by... uh, Western authors, uh, and I think a lot of patience is given to uh, Japanese writers because uh, of the sort of cultural divide. Like, a Japanese writer won't think of, probably won't think of the American LGBT scene. No, but it's uh, not like there isn't an LGBT scene in in Japan. That's true, that's true. Um, And, like, it's just 
us over here were less aware of what's of the yeah. specifics of what's going on. Mm-hmm. And so. there's also like the amount of time it takes to make a massive game. Social norms yeah. will change. So mm-hmm. Alright. Oh Kat, would you like to discuss yeah. our next bad game? Yes. Since sure. I know you're in fact unironically like that. <laughs> I'm trying. The next round really of trying. terrible Zeno yeah. representation for LGBTQ goes to Laura Mara and Nara. Um, yes. Okay. These guys look like Margulis. I love Margulis. <laughs> but they're such bad gay rep. Uh, they, they, they fall in to a, a, a very stereotypical uh, bar a gay guy with uh, like lipstick uh, trope uh, and uh, it's just like over the top uh, and it's 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 another uh, terrible caricature <laughs> that just ended up in this thing and when when I was first playing Xenoblade X for the first time and I ran across Laura Mara I think it was I was like are these people making fun of me? <laughs> or are they making fun of Margulis? <laughs> Oof, either way. I thought Luxor <laughs> was trying to make fun of Margulis. So, I, uh, like, half of me wonders if a lot of the, the stuff that I see in this series that I like is uh, just because I'm projecting and wanting to see, to, to see things that I like. And, like, when they make huge misses like that, I, I get really disappointed. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, I, I am attracted to men that look like Laura Mora. <laughs> um, uh, I'm not sh- certain on the, you know, the attitude, but, uh, like, uh, when when I tried to write Xenoblade X fanfiction... I was trying to, to write it from uh, my cross's perspective, who, uh, I, of course, I made the most Ramses-looking guy I, I could. And it was just like, uh, this math guy ends up with ind- this indestructible robot body and, like, standardized muscles and, like, is like, I finally look like how I want to look. And I can finally interact with other gay men because I'm, I've got a sliver of self-confidence now. And uh, trying this, like, newly awakened gay guy trying to go onto the scene for the first time, interacting with Lara Mara and Lara Nara, uh, I never finished it, but it was kind of like, I tried to, to humanize them a little bit better because there are... Uh, flaming gay guys like that mm-hmm. in real life uh, and not all of them are bad uh, and I think uh, the further you get into uh, X uh, you you sort of find out that one of the brothers is kind of uh, more even keel and badass <laughs> but you, you don't get there until you do a bunch of like really hard ass quests mm-hmm. um, yeah. and for the things that fell on their face with Laura Mara and Laura Nara, uh, they're definitely uh, fetishized. You get the, the, you know, the statue with them, obviously flaming gay, feminine, effeminate poses. Uh, but you also get a statue of HB like that. <laughs> so uh, they, eh, I'm not even sure if it's a gold star. 
<laughs> I'm not even sure if it's a silver star. But a blue star. They tried. Yeah, it, it's a, like, they could have done more and it would have been like, alright, not the best, but yes, obviously, you know, um, flamboyant gay men exist. That's totally cool and fine. And we're not saying any actual human person can't exist for saying, like, here's the issue with these characters. And one of the issues would be if they... I mean, as you said, like, well, like most of, of the content in Cross, it's hidden behind, like, 17 side quests that are easy to miss. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so you don't get a lot of the more humanizing aspects of them and, like, them being cool and competent, and I don't remember which brother it is, and I, I don't remember if it's the same as the brother that actually does have a boyfriend. Um, but, yeah, it's just, it's content that's hidden, and if it was... If they made that stuff more prevalent, then, like, the issue would be less they're stereotyped and, you know, it, it would be more okay. Like, Alright, fine, you made a fully fleshed out character who is also a flamboyantly gay man. Cool. Yeah. I also think uh, they cashed in some tokenism here. And another another problem with starting starting to make change is that it, sometimes it starts out with tokenism. Um, whether that's acceptable or not is definitely up to whoever. Yeah. Well, before we move on to Xenoblade 2, I just want to give a shout out to Mia's two dads. That's it. Hell that's yeah. Who are Mia's two dads again? I don't know. She just mentions them like in her final quest that she oh. has two dads. And Oh, good for yeah. her. And that's awesome. It's awesome. It's just didn't make a big deal about it. I don't remember that. They, why is it all of the good content in Cross so buried? Oh my gosh! And yeah, Mia especially. You had to. Oh, it was Mira, so, Mia is so buried. She was so difficult to get. I. Uh. Uh, uh, like shout out to Embry who's still playing Xenoblade Cross, so I can actually finish all of those side quests because I'm really bad at it, and I have to keep recruiting you. And Ombre. <laughs> yeah, you you're the real MVPs here. Alright, are we ready for Xenoblade 2? Yes. Yep. Yes. Oh. And this one has a lot, too. Yes. Yeah, it had a lot of characters. I, it still feels weird how little we had to say about Blade, but I guess Blade doesn't have too many characters. Um, yeah, I can't think of many. Alright. We can talk about uh, one of the more blatant ones, Sheba. Yep. Yep, oh, She's one of your favorites, go ahead. She is one of my favorites. Probably my favorite blade. Yeah, Sheba. She doesn't care about guys at all. <laughs> She'll make them her pack mule, basically. <laughs> but and what's kind of cool about Sheba is that um, she she likes women, but they don't really they don't really entertain the possibility that she might be into guys. So like also, so like you really get like a hard lesbian character, which. I find yes. surprisingly rare. Mm -hmm. Like, you, oftentimes it's like, oh, you know, they, they kind of like both, or they'll just be like, oh, yeah, they're bi. But no, it's like, Sheba seems to only be attracted to other women. And it's a huge sticking point. <laughs> so yeah. I, I was very impressed. Uh, and it uh, it didn't seem to me like too much tokenism. Um, so, 
uh, things are getting better. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I was really happy with the way they portrayed Sheba for the most part. Yeah, I honestly kept thinking that it was going to be like, oh, she d- does like men. There's a theoretical man right. that exists. That where, exists, like, that she really does. does. Then, then she'd like them. Or like, here's her side quest where she decides that this man is super important to her. But no, consistently throughout, they she does not it. give a shit about men. Yeah, they, and they stuck and, to their guns with that. Yeah, and uh, I think it's... I think it might be Korra's side quest? Uh... Where, like, you end up talking to a lot of the other female blades, they even specifically say, Hey, Sheba, I know you don't like men, but if you did, could you help us with this problem? And then she, like, just kind of comes up with, I don't know, I guess you'd have to be strong and carry all my bags, because fuck men. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Sheba's great. Sheba's great. (laughs) I was rewatching that one cutscene where she kicks that nup on. Oh, so good. Unbelievable. Just the best. (laughs) Sheba's so good. All right. So the next one, this is actually kind of new to me. Uh, this this way to read Nia. Oh, you haven't. Oh, okay. I've actually never heard that uh, particular headcanon before. Well, I had a different. Well, uh, you you go on because I I had a different read, but it's pretty much the same read. But yeah, never mind. Sorry. No, say it. Yeah. Do you want to just piggyback off of the next of the of the main read? Yeah, there we go. Say your bit. Uh, okay. Gotcha. Okay. There it goes. All right. So uh, with Nia, the obvious scene that comes to mind is, is the uh, bathhouse scene where um, a one thing is that she's fo- very focused on uh, Mithra's body and how it's perfect, and hers is perhaps not quite so similar to that. And another thing is, you know, she. She's obviously clouded in, in steam and mist. She goes into the bath, and then Mithra says something vague, and do you want to talk about it? To which Nia says no. So, uh, obviously, it's actually, she's talking about Nia's core crystal that Nia doesn't want to talk about, but it's easy to read that as, oh, maybe Nia doesn't look like a traditional woman. Maybe Nia's trans, and doesn't want to fucking talk about it with Mithra right now, thank you very much. So that's an easy read for Nia, uh, and a common one, because you take rep where you can find it. Yeah. Yes, yes, you certainly I mean, <laughs> definitely, I feel like Nia's, like, overarching story overall is a coming out story. Um, because, yes. yeah, as you said, she is a blade, and she keeps this, uh, to herself, well, and to Dromark and Mithra, um, until about chapter seven, um, and then she finally, like, expresses her feelings, and everyone, of course, is like, "We we still really like you," and I yeah. I thought we're happy that you felt safe telling us mm-hmm. this. Yeah, absolutely, and you know, it really shows like why she loves the group so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just, like, being able uh, to find acceptance after a lifetime of not feeling accepted is huge. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. (laughs) And, like, she did have that with uh, with Torna, since they were all in that same boat, so you could argue that every single member of Torna is uh, transcoded. And you know what? Good on you if you do. Yes. (laughs) Which is a kind of good segue 
to go to Malos <laughs> and Jin. Yeah. yeah. Malos and Jin are probably one of the most gay coded uh, villain villain pairs uh lately uh like they like whether or not you think that they're gay or that they're they're just good friends <laughs> uh is it's good to see uh like whatever your read on them uh they are there for each other that they mm. that the narrative shows them helping each other the narrative shows them hugging uh, yeah the like just like the the energy between them, these guys are important to each other, uh, and not a whole lot like does that. And I think we also get that with Morag and Bridget, right? Um, but like the <laughs> uh, the thing with Jin and Malos uh, that stands out a little bit more is that they're both. Uh, very masculine, and uh, I feel like if Xenoblade Two had been released like ten years before, uh, Jin's design may have been a little bit more effeminate. Uh, but it's just like he would have had more belts. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I actually I agree, and I think that like no matter how you read that, like if you read them as they're both straight or they are gay, um, I think that it's really refreshing to see two strong guys share that kind of intimate relationship with each other because like you wouldn't expect that at all to these two strong burly muscly dudes hugging each other and able to open up to each other about what's going on inside and i think that's really really cool yeah yeah also, I'd like to talk about how uh, Malos's hips are another <laughs> no, we'll, <laughs> big we'll get thing. Up to, we have a point on Malos's hips coming up. Yes. Oh, oh, was I not supposed to, to do that? <laughs> no, we can't talk about the forbidden we hips. Talk. We have two more bullet points till we talk about those we hips. Talk about okay. The hips. <laughs> no, we first have to talk about Morag and Bridget. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> So, so Morag um, and Bridget. Morag and Bridget. <laughs> uh, I have I have a piece to say, uh, but if Please anybody do. else, okay, all right. Um, so uh, I I'm non-binary. Um, mm-hmm. I don't see myself doing any physical transitioning, uh, but I feel okay if I'm going to be like Morag for the rest of my life. Uh, also, I'm gay for Bridget, <laughs> but I also feel like uh, Morag is another, like, slightly more neutral um, take on a character like Elma. But, uh, like, I think even uh, Morag's Japanese seiyu uh, is a guy. Uh, she is, like, very dead-ass mask through through most of it and she, she's also another character that feels like dominia and she's a hero this time like you fight her once or twice but like her honor is never in doubt uh she is a positively coded gay character in a major video game <laughs> mm-hmm. with a like blazingly attractive girlfriend <laughs> and um like I, I i adore bridget uh, myself, um, 
Uh, but also uh, another thing that I, I went to look for uh, in Bridget's idle animation, sometimes she'll do a little heart for Morag. And when I was playing Torna, she does not do that for Hugo. Mm. No way. Yep, I looked for uh-huh. it. I waited. Wow, I never noticed that. Well, yep. now I have to boot up the game again, which will be really hard <laughs> since I haven't finished. Definitive. Wow, that's a crazy detail. Yeah. You, you look for crazy details with your faves. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. I mean, Morag does have that line where she talks about how she wishes she could be even closer to with Bridget, since, like, everyone else is talking about, like, oh, I have part of my blade's crystal in my foot. And uh, <laughs> she doesn't have that, and so she does, like, express regret and then talks about not wanting a scar. Yeah. <laughs> And, like, I think, uh, like, even if you don't read Morag and Brigid uh, as gay, uh, it's another very intimate uh, mm-hmm. same-sex relationship, romantic or 100%. not. 100%. Okay, I'm done. No, I, th- I think that summarized it beautifully. 100, yeah. Uh, that was Morag, great. I mean, one one thing. Oh. Sorry. No, go on. No, no, go. I was, well, I was just going to oh, correct. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, just correct you. Go ahead. You go. Okay, you I will go. go. Um, but um, just a small thing. Morag's uh, Japanese voice actress actually is a woman. Um, but oh shit! Yes. That's awesome. Yes. She she uh, from her list. It looks like she does play a lot of uh, masculine characters, though. That's awesome. That's badass. So like, it was convincing enough to me, and that that is amazing mm-hmm. to me. Um, and like. Uh, another thing that I forgot to mention, she's uh, Morag is very Utna like, uh, and that's another like big gay yes. <laughs> character for me. I, I I see that, and I appreciate that. What I was going to say was that, insofar as um, we've stated that characters who act kind of not aligned with their with their uh, birth gender are kind of non-binary coded or could be easily read that way. Morag. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, the Aegises also have a similar uh, sort of trans narrative to the, the URTVs where they have like the specific purpose in mind and are given names that they all reject. Some of them reject it twice. Um, so it's again that same sort of narrative of like making yourself throwing away the name, and being your own person. Me. Okay. Now we can talk about Malos! Yay! <laughs> um, so I experienced a lot of dysphoria about my body when mm. I was growing up, and all of like all the, the men, women, and magazines that I couldn't look like were all like super skinny or super muscled or things that were just like on the top shelf. I like maybe if I started on T right now, I mm-hmm. could look like Triple H or something. <laughs> but um, like finding characters who are very very masculine but have like very feminine parts to them helps me uh, imagine myself there, and it it cuts down on my own self-hatred of my own body, uh, which is still very prevalent right now in my life. Um, so, 
Like these are things that make me feel better about myself. Uh, These, uh, these meditations are positive for myself and how, how I feel about me and how I want to look. Um, But it may not be the same way for other people. Yeah. I, I, I think like a lot of people actually have expressed like thank you to Malos's hips because <laughs> yes, uh, I mean m- myself as a trans mask person like it was kind of refreshing to see a person with such a masculine form and then feminine hips like okay well I know that I can't really change my skeleton so no matter yeah. what goes on my skeleton's gonna look like my skeleton uh, until I get crazy expensive dangerous surgeries and. So it's kind of like, oh, okay, I could still look, it could still be the case that I could look very much like a man and still have my skeleton. Yeah. And, like, that's just a reassuring sight. And it feels so weird to, like, just, like, special mention to Malos's hips. <laughs> yeah. And, like, uh, I'm I'm always worried that any any trait that I pick out that I want on my myself and my my own thing might be invalidating something for somebody else. So I apologize up and down for anything that I've said during this that invalidates anybody else's experience. Well, I mean, part of the point of this episode is to provide another perspective. Right, you have your perspective. Other people might have their perspectives. They're all valid readings. They're all valid perspectives. Yeah, I guess uh, this is just sort of becoming. Oh, hey, this is how I feel about my body. This is what I want to look like. This is what I look for when I look for things that I want to look like. That's. I mean, we've said this is going to be like a very opinionated and yeah. just like. <laughs> here's a perspective yours could be different and also we're not experts on this theory and we're doing a really bad job of applying it but that's yeah or maybe just listen to the perspectives that we're presenting here and take a look at the characters that you like maybe you might discover something new about them that you can appreciate yeah it's all about having an open mind and hearing each other out because i think that if we can do that we can understand each other better yeah also i love hearing diverse takes about reading my favorite characters because i come from a place of nobody uh cares about my favorite characters but me uh, but this isn't true with xenoblade 2 yeah and like honestly yeah, a lot of the things a lot of the readings that i've heard some of the some of the ones i've heard today i've heard them for the first time but there's other ones that i've been more than familiar with I really enjoy hearing them because it lets me look at those characters in a different way and most of the time I end up liking them that much more. Yeah, like, I don't think I've heard too much too much of anything where it's been like, I disagree with you and I hate you for having said it. Like, there's just yeah. been, eh, saw my read, that's cool, I'm glad you enjoy that. Yeah. 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 You're all valid, and yeah. we're not trying to invalidate <laughs> anyone else. Yeah. Absolutely not. Also part of this experience, the fear that you will be re- rejected by your friends. Uh. <laughs> And strangers! So you're, you're doing your own personal Xenoblade game right now. <laughs> <laughs> At worst, we finally um, might get email to our Xenochat email account. How dare you say gay? Please, <laughs> please delete yourself from the internet. Um, we well, I'm going to awkwardly people. transition back to what we were talking about, though. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we, we were talking about some more characters from um, Xenoblade 2. 
Yeah. I know you have a lot to say about Vandom. I do not actually have a lot to say about <laughs> Vandom, and yet I kept insisting that I say it. I was so on the fence about saying anything, but like, <laughs> I've had candid. Uh, my my headcanon for him is that he's non-binary, and that is based on nothing but, like, my my heart and wanting him to be. Um, so with a lot of non-binary rep, and, like, the rep we've even talked about here, it's been, like, more skewed towards uh, feminine presenting. Mm-hmm. And obviously that's not true for everything. And the... And the other side is that a lot of the more masculine presenting, they then are not human. Um, like, I do not remember the character's name from Borderlands 3, uh, but that is a like more masculine character. But he's not human, so it's okay. <laughs> so with fandom, it's like, what if I just take this beef slab of beef slab muscle... And said, he just deleted gender. He just said, I don't need that anymore, thank you. I love it. Um, and again, there's, like, nothing, there's no basis for that. It just makes me feel better to think of, like, what if we had a very masculine character who also was not a man? And was not a woman, and was just, was just fandom. And I guess if you want some in-game basis for it, well, uh, his his only blade, Rock, his, his Rock's gender is four. That is in the game. The game code says Rock's gender is four. I love it. That's right, yeah. So, uh, and as we all know, blades and drivers have to share something, so Vandom's gender is four. Yeah, Vandom's. I, I think Vandom's a cool character for that. I, I wish he was playable for longer. I, I really wish. I, I, I wish I he was like at least him. not so obviously going to die. I know. Like you get him, like, and you're like, oh, you're gonna die. I know, but at the same time, I really liked him, though. <laughs> I he, I did really. He was like a really him. sweet guy, and you know, it, and it, even though this isn't related to sexual orientation or gender, it is kind of refreshing to see this really buff guy, this really buff dark skin guy who just cares for everybody and just an overall sweetheart. Like, that's so cool to see. Like, I I love seeing Vandom and just that kind of character portrayed. I love it. Like, there, I I really wish I had more of him. I wish I had more time to play with him just so I can learn more about him. And it's especially sad when, like, you have that one heart to heart where Rex can say that like he considered Vandom like a father because like man how cool would it have been if they got to explore that relationship more yeah Vandom is so good we didn't deserve him that's why they had to take him from us (laughs) yep alright who wants to give the the crowning oh boy yeah okay so the what the fuck (laughs) alright we have our last winner not least and possibly the worst Hopefully least in the Xenosphere. <laughs> yeah, hopefully, hopefully last. the last time we have to deal with this. And the worst representation is Florin. Who wants to talk Yay. about Florin? <laughs> Florin <laughs> is bad. <laughs> yeah. So Florin comes from that trope of like, oh, it's do you think it's a girl, but it's a boy. And all of his skills, or, or not all of his skills, but all his, um, filling out his, his, uh, affinity chart is about 
manipulating people and lying. Well, not lying, but definitely manipulating people. And, like, they consistently call Florin a young lady, which then leads to the dumb twist in his his quest where at the end he goes, by the way, I'm a boy. And the reason that's a dumb quest, a dumb twist rather, is that throughout the game, you've been able to send him on missions where he's consistently counted his mail. So that's not a shock to you, the player. Yeah. And what's also terrible about that is throughout many of like the people you're supposed to speak to, they consistently refer to Florin as a girl, and Florin never corrects them. It's only at the mm. end that Florin suddenly decides, "Hey, stop, stop, stop doing that!" Like yeah. that's so ridiculous. And even like in the awakening scene, Florin has that like mischievous giggle. It's like it, it's so hard not to read it as like Florin is just deliberately messing with these people, and that's such a dangerous stereotype. <laughs> Yeah. And it's it's bad. Like that's not it good at all. It reinforces like negativity and distrust and ag. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I am not a fan of Florin's storyline. No. Um. Like the most generous read I was able to give is like, oh, okay. What if Florin's a trans man and just at the end he finally felt comfortable enough to say something? But that's really trying to push for it to be a generous read because then the reaction still sucks you, you have to ignore all the, the yeah manipulation throughout the whole thing that, yeah like i said it's it's a shitty thing it's just like how do you make it a little better okay it's still shitty yeah and like considering other characters and all the other like positive characters and positive rep that we have seen in xenoblade 2 it's like Florin kind of sticks out and, like, you have a scene with, with uh, Morag and uh, Tora. Yeah, Tora earlier, where Tora's like, oh, let's all go to the hot springs. And doesn't see why Morag might object, because Dopon uh, tell gender based on clothing. And since Morag dresses like a man, Tora assumed that she was a man. And, like, that isn't dealt with as insultingly. Yeah. It says, oh, you mistook. That's not a great way for you to determine gender, little dude. I guess Florin's just a horrible person. Yeah, Florin's <laughs> just a bad character. Can't say he's a horrible person. He doesn't exist. Yeah, I think uh, the the dropping of the ball there is that the narrative uh, isn't positive in this uh, character's uh, presentation. Um it, it's it's backsliding, definitely. Yeah. I mean, like, a lot of people give Xenoblade 2 flack for being anime, as though the other oh, games no. weren't. And, and also, oh, it no, did no, have no. a lot more <laughs> tropes, and that, that was definitely in there. Yeah, and it's sort of like, it's uh, it's just, like, the, the opening tagline of, and boy meets girl, is very heteronormative, and there's so many boob monsters, but some of those boob monsters are also uh, designed by women, uh, so it's like, we're still arguing about boob monsters, no matter what, but look at all this gay! <laughs> and look at all this, like, other stuff that is in this game! It uh, has so much good stuff, and they just kind of tried to draw you in with boobs, and I don't know why yeah. Florence there. <laughs> And 
like the aspect of Florin's character, which is that he really loves plants and feels empathy towards trees, is like that's chill. You that's can, fine. That's yeah. Thing do about that. Florin. Do more it's of that. Like, that whole other part just feels tacked on. Like they just threw it in there just for the sake of having that in there. Yeah, it's just like we have to make sure we have this type of character, and it's like if. if Everything was the same, but, like, they kept calling him young man, and he was still manipulative, and, and you know, a small feminine kid. Well, I have no idea how old he's supposed to be. Um, But if he was still, you know, feminine, and, like, his storyline was still about tricking people, that wouldn't be great, but it would at least be a different bad. Yeah. And he would still be a different stereotype. God damn it. You know what? Flor- <laughs> like, like, take Florin, throw out Florin. <laughs> Replace him with better Florin. <laughs> just give us a boy that likes flowers. Just, him just give us flower boy. Yes. Yeah. I, give us Aerith, but boy. Yeah, that would have been fine. <laughs> yeah. Take Aerith, make boy, make blade. Done. Ooh. Okay. All right. Uh, is there any? So I Kat, had you some, had a closing oh, thought. Yeah, I had some closing cl- closing thoughts. Uh, scrawled. I had some clothing thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. We just wanted to reiterate, uh, we here only represent a very small, small subsect of this gigantic, diverse, beautiful, colorful community. Uh, if, uh, if you have different opinions for what was said, that's amazing, and I would love to hear, uh, extra different, more takes on... Uh, the series at large. Uh, so uh, I, I, I just wanted to make sure that I, like I, I've said a lot in here, but everything I've said uh, is not the final word. I encourage people to disagree with the stuff that I've said here. Uh, I encouraged people, people to think differently, and I think one of the most important things about the LGBT. BT movement and queer theory and uh, upward movement <laughs> in general is that uh, free thought is super diverse and it's very important to keep as many voices as possible going. <laughs> so, well said. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, just to add on to what Kat was saying, as we keep saying, we're not pros at this. Um, but if, like, let's say you think our commentary on the topic, you're not satisfied with it. We honestly encourage everybody, not just those of you who think this is a bad podcast, but people who enjoy our commentary, we encourage everybody to research this on your own term, on your own time. And if you've got more ideas surrounding this to contribute, by all means, post them on Twitter. You can even tag us in it. Let us know. Like, I think a lot of us can benefit from reading up about this. It doesn't even have to be that deep. Even if you were to just like go on the Wikipedia page for queer theory, that's already much more work than a lot of people are currently putting into this. I think just the idea of entertaining it and trying to be open to other perspectives is a very good thing and something that I definitely encourage and would love to see more of in the community as a whole and uh we provided like a fair amount of justification for a lot of these but 
you you don't need any justification I was just to about not, be, yeah. it, not be cis. You don't need that. It's just it, because yeah. you are. like It doesn't have to be justification. Yeah, it's, um, it's just a matter of how that reading, how how we see that reading. It's, it's not we're, we're making justification. It's we're explaining what that reading means to us and how that may or may not affect the way we see that character. Yeah. I thought I had something to add. I didn't. <laughs> Don't worry. You've added plenty of great th- yes. things tonight. Yes, thank so. you so yes, much. Thank you. Yeah, I'm very thankful to have all of you on for this. Yes, yes thank you for having yes, us. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Um, well, I guess we're good to wrap things up then. Um, so I'll just go around and if there's anything you want to share, um, any projects or anything on the side, just let me know. Uh, we'll start with you, Justin. So secret Zeno project thing is on its way. And um, yeah, well, I should be able to, I'm not going to say that. Uh, <laughs> you'll probably hear more about it very soon. I'll put it to you that way. Nice. But other than that, it's been just the usual. I've been playing Xenoblade Definitive Edition. I've been enjoying the heck out of it. I've been posting it on Twitter. I did start playing Ring Fit Adventure today, and that game is really fun. I never thought that like a workout could be so entertaining. <laughs> yeah, I-, I know that game's kind of hard to find these days because it's like going in and out of stock. But if you can get a copy of it, I definitely recommend it. Even the rhythm game mode is a lot of fun. It's like, it's shocking how well it works. <laughs> I wasn't sure what I expected with like a rhythm game workout video game, but yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I need. And you want to tie that back into Xeno? Because Soraya Saga drew Nia playing Ring, Wii, Ring Fit. Don't worry. I call it Wii Fit all the time. Wii <laughs> Ring Fit. Re- yeah. Win, win Re Fit. That'd be cool if they update it and add Xenoblade songs. Oh, that's what I wanted. Like, there's too few Nintendo songs. Yeah, because you get the Mario one, and then you have, like, a... I think there's a Splatoon one. There's otherwise, like, Ring Fit music, and I think the old Wii Uh, Fit has a song in there, too. Yeah, and there's, like, one Breath of the Wild song, I think. Oh, yeah, there's a Breath of the Wild medley. Yeah. So, please give us Xenoblade music. Yeah, Xenoblade, or even Fire Emblem music. I think that'd be kind of interesting. Alright, uh, Robin, what what you got going on? I, I have just been writing bad things that I haven't been posting anywhere publicly. Um, t- tag me in all dicks and pictures. All of oh, them. Do you st- all do of you, them. Do you still have that uh, Julie Twitter Nugent. account? I do have a Twitter account where all I do is post pictures of Dixon. <laughs> It's called Dixon Pixon. (laughs) If you thought, I can't look at Dixon enough, here's a Twitter account for you. Uh, Alright, what what do you got going on, Kat? Uh, I am still mired in playing Final Fantasy (laughs) XIV as much as I can between uh, working hours uh, and uh, trying to get some happiness going despite uh, all of this IRL terrifying stuff. Mm. <laughs> uh, it's very hard to keep a positive attitude uh, here and 
there have been some uh, unpleasant things that have happened to me recently, but uh, mm-hmm. I am determined not to give up. Uh, I'm determined to go on and keep myself happy and uh, hang out with my friends a little bit more. Well, I'm happy to hear that. Yeah, well, we're all here for you. As yeah, you know. exactly. Yeah. We love you, Kat. Yeah, and I love y'all. And all you guys. How <laughs> <laughs> we have to end everything. Uh, Tyler, what um, about you? Okay, I really don't have too much going on myself. Um, I've been, I still write article, news articles from time to time, and I've been, um, yeah, also playing Xenoblade Definitive Edition and juggling that with, like, Soccer Wars, um, which if we want... That game is really oh, good. Yeah, it is really good. I I have so much fun with it, and I, like, the battle system was kind of meh at first, but then I did the update with the lock-on feature, and that just, just changes it completely. Yeah, it's actually a lot of fun. I don't know what people were complaining about with it cuz I remember when the game was coming out, a lot of people were just like, "Oh, this is just this is just really shitty Musa and you like there's no there's no moves." And I'm like, "What are you, am, am I playing the same right. game as you guys?" Right. <laughs> like, I meanwhile I'm playing and I'm having a lot of fun. Exactly. So, I don't know. Yeah, I've been having a blast with it too. Um, so, all right, oh, before we kind of close up, I kind of wanted to give some honorable mentions. Um, uh, Feeny, who is on our uh, Zenochat Discord, um, contributed by mm-hmm. uh, talking about the URTVs and the Aegis's, uh names. Um, so thank you very much, Feeny, for your contrib- contribution there. Thank you, Feeny. Yeah. Um, also, I again... Yes, thank oh, you. go on. Oh, no, I was just thinking Feeny. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Um, and then also speaking of, again, I want to thank Christy for, uh, uh, giving me this idea or giving us this idea to pursue queer theory in Zeno. I really appreciate it. Um, uh, she and her partner has a, a podcast called, uh, Ebony Ditch, which also kind of goes into queer theory and other video games. I listened to their one on Nier Automata and I thought it was a really interesting listen. So I definitely got a shout out to Christy. Um, and ho- hopefully we can revisit this with yes, her. Yes, that would be great. Alright. Um, so, let's see here. Um, the Cosmos episode should be uploaded before this one. At least I really want it to be. Um, hopefully it'll come out around the same time as the figure, but uh, fingers crossed. Um, that's gonna be so hard for us to time. Yeah, yeah, no. I, at least, hopefully, the same month, July. Please, I, yeah. She's so beautiful. Um, yeah, the Cosmos episode is really good, so I hope you guys enjoy it. Um, yeah, yeah, that was a really fun episode. Um, and then I don't. Oh wait, we do have another episode planned with uh Pure, which we haven't had an episode with him in over a year. So that's going to be exciting. Um, we're going to try to record it next week, or this coming week, about personal stories. So stay tuned for that. And we have another project we're working on, but we're going to be a little tight-lipped about that for right now. Till we, uh... I'm excited. Though. Yes. 
I am also excited. Yeah, it's going to be a pretty good project. Assuming it comes to fruition. Yes, let's hope so. That is true. Yeah, (laughs) we'll just tease you for now. But yeah, yeah, that's it for the foreseeable future. So thanks again uh, for, well, everyone listening and for all the guests and my co-host tonight. I really appreciate this. It was a really, really awesome discussion. Thank you for having me. And also Kat, I'll thank I'll thank on behalf of Kat too. Yes, and thank you on behalf of both. <laughs> uh, all right, well thank you and have a good night, everybody. Night. Good night. Until next time, Zenofam. It's not gonna catch on. I'm sorry. Over the world we see all the high walls. You cannot change, but we've gotta try first. Miles and miles fly across our sky. Tonight's the time. Over the rainbow, glorious night. It's light in our dreams, and I hope we're alright. We're all the same from another world. We don't belong here anymore. Look over there, it's so Save the game? This is oh, my no. first because I decided to do this podcast without pants on. That's oh, I came back in a weird time. <laughs> it's a it's too hot podcast. in my room. I'm dying. Hey, Morag, how about next time you put on a skirt and some heels? How about you die in a fire, Zeke? But I don't know if you heard so, me, but yeah. I was like, replace Florin with Chaos. From Xenosaga as a blade. Yes! Yes! That was amazing. Oh, we skipped over talking about the Aegises in general. We talked about Malice's hips. I apologize! I am unable to complete my mission!